Hello, hello, hello. It is Stu. It is the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And this is something I have not done in a in a while. I have not opened my book of business, meaning the gym owners and business owners I work with on a monthly recurring level in a hot minute because of COVID, because of my license model and urban movement stuff. Just really, really busy with that. But I have opened the book back up. For those of you guys who don't know, I only work with 40 micro gym owners and fitness business owners per month. That's it. It's the max that I do. I work with people. I literally month to month level, no contract. You get access to me for either 30 minutes once a month or one hour once a month. You get full access to micro gym university. You get a bat phone to me where you can text call, video message, whatever it is, audio message, and we can be in contact in between our calls. And that's how I go ahead and create custom tailored solutions to your business problems. So if you're looking to work with somebody where you're not stuck in some douchey fucking 12 month EFT contract, you have to give your banking information, you got to spend $6,000 up front, you literally want to get on a call, talk with me in real life, just me, where I just listen to you, talk to you, we talk about your problems, I come up with a solution, an executable plan, and then we tackle it together. And then in between that, you want Microgym University and be able to access me when you have you know, a fire go off in your business on a random Tuesday or some shit pops off late at night and you want my opinion on it, then shoot me a DM, let me know, because this is the first time I'm opening up to go back to 40 per month and it's going to fill up quick. Guys, we're going to get into the podcast here in a second, but just thank you for listening to the pre-roll. And I really do hope, like my goal is to work with as many of you guys in some capacity. If it's for one month, two months, fucking three years, I don't give a shit. But if you got some problems and you want someone to bounce ideas off of and help you create an executable plan of action, I hope that I'm your fucking guy. All right, onto the podcast. What is up, guys? It is Stu, and it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And I have the man, Mark Fisher of Mark Fisher Fitness. And I, I got I, my origin story with you. Someone mentioned it to me a long time ago, and they said, Stu, you love branding. You love these unique micro gym models. Have you ever fucked with Mark Fisher Fitness? I'm like, who the hell is Mark Fisher? I've never heard the name. I, I, I thought he was like some Instagram like trainer. I'm like, all right, let me look it up. Yeah. And the <laughs> second I hit your website and you know, I see the purple and the, you know, the big white font, and it literally goes ahead and you know reads to me. We help people who hate gyms find a fitness home they'll actually love. Right. And like the pop ups of it being like an enchanted ninja clubhouse and like Damn. the language. I was like, oh my God, I think I probably spent 40 minutes on your website alone <laughs> just looking at it and just, just in devouring the branding of it. So, for my, anyone in my audience that's not familiar with you, give them the quick brevity, short elevator yes. pitch as to how you got into the fitness industry and got to opening Mark yeah. Fisher Fitness. Uh, so, super short version is I was not originally in fitness. I context. When I first started working out, I was the portion portion of the society that was not doing it for sports. I was not into sports. I was a theater kid. I wanted to work out because I was hoping that one day a girl might kiss me. And then I moved to New York City to be a musical theater performer. <clears throat> And my odds were substantially better at that point because there were not as many straight guys doing musical theater or doing cats professionally. And while I was an actor of middling success, although I made my living doing that, 
I continued to follow this growing interest in this passion and fitness. And then I developed a niche training specifically people in the Broadway industry for no other reason than these were my friends. These are my social friends. These are the people I hung out with. And I became very passionate about taking this type of rigorous strength conditioning performance evidence-based practices and then offering it to them in some palatable chocolate sauce of madness situation. And then got to a certain point in my acting career where I decided I didn't want to be out of town anymore. So I decided, I was like, I'm going to put some effort into the, this training thing and we'll kind of see what happens. And at that time, my vision was very much to be a solopreneur and essentially have a really juiced up freelancer brand with like fat margins, multiple six figures, summers in Europe, and I'll do TV and film. Great. And then things really kind of picked up and I started a six week makeover program called Snatched in Six Weeks which in dancer terms, like, like that wig is snatched, hunty means like ripped. And I didn't even know that this was a term not used outside the dance world. <laughs> Apparently I meant I was aware there were other terms. And of course the whole brand is quite cheeky. So I did that intentionally, but I didn't realize nobody knew snatched as a metaphor for ripped. <clears throat> so that program got some wind. My best friend from my high school community theater group who was doing business stuff was like, we should do this as a business. What is your end game? And I was like, I don't have an end game. I don't want staff. I don't want real estate. I don't want any of that stuff. This is what I'm doing. And then in short order, he ruthlessly manipulated me into starting an actual business and we got a lease and we hired trainers. And then we were lucky because we were so entrenched in the Broadway community, the things really blew up from there. And over the next four years, the revenue just kind of shot up and we hired people and we became very well known. And this would be interesting to plug in, in spite of not actually understanding literally anything about sales or marketing and just being so good at branding and fulfillment, that we didn't really have to do anything else because the whole thing was so purple cow that people were telling them about it. And that's how we got to here. So for those not familiar with MFF, our tagline is ridiculous humans, serious fitness. And we live it because we are, we're nerds. We are super, super nerds. And Stu, I really want to acknowledge you and, and shout you out. I'm digging all the, the training nerd content you're getting into because I know I don't look like it over here in my hot pants, but I'm a training nerd but I just like to make it fun and enjoyable for people that don't like gyms. So that's also why we don't call our members clients. We call them ninjas. Uh, we are well known for our spiritual mascot is the unicorn. Uh, the space is very unusual. It looks like a, you gave a small child psychedelics and we're just like, here, paint, Billy, paint. Do we want Billy? And as you mentioned, the name, the name of it, because we don't call it a gym because that's off-putting to many of our members. We call it the Enchanted Ninja Clubhouse of Glory and Dreams which is the, the formal name, but usually just like clubhouse. And then since then, I'll just say like in closing, uh, similar to you, I now also like a, kind of as a side hustle, do coaching and consulting specifically on the business of fitness. And the beauty of that entire thing, is, you know, uh, there's a, there's a great marketing line and I'm going to fuck up who actually this should be attributed to, but is marketing is an expense paid by, un uh, was it, um, Ordinary, that's a marketing's expense paid by ordinary businesses. An ordinary business has to market their fucking face off because there's nothing all that special about them. But when you are absolutely remarkable, <clears throat> you are not ordinary. There's not much marketing you actually have to do. Tesla doesn't have to do a lot of fucking marketing. Right, it it doesn't, you know, it stands in a class all of its own. The Concept Two rower in the, for the fitness context. Have you ever seen a Concept Two rower ad? Nope, because right. they make a very simple but bomb-proof product that's great for a commercial fitness setting. And, and what I look at what you've done um, with MFF, it, it's very similar. And that you're tying to the thespian community, 
right? You're talking this eclectic, bomb, like very outward, fun, giggly, goofy as fuck, like very outward, extroverted yeah. group of individuals. Um, it's, you, you know, you look at it in the first thing. So the first thing I, the first instinct I saw when I, before I knew anything about you guys, I looked at them like, oh, this is a gay gym. This is a gym owned by a gay guy, <laughs> ran by gay. It's like, it's the safe place for gay fitness. Think, and right? then I got it further is. down the rabbit hole and I was like, this guy's he's married to a woman. He's, 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 he's straight as fuck. He's like, I'm like, <laughs> he's a genius. And then like, I get your background of the dance and the theater. And I'm like, this guy is, he's like anyone else. He relates to a, a professional audience. And I, a dance and theater is a professional audience, especially in New York city and tier one cities where Broadway and stage is life and a career for many. Um, and not only just a career for many, it's like a sport pursuit, kind of like CrossFit gyms have all these little CrossFit kids running mm -hmm. in and out, trying to lift the world. You have these individuals like, well, if I lose 6% body fat and I look a little bit different, I could get that spot on Hamilton, maybe that kind of a scenario. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. There is really meaningful outcomes, both on their professional opportunities and also their craft and their art, you know, and it's interesting too, in that what is interesting that we've continued to leverage and is, is not untrue, but we were certainly born so much out of the Broadway community and particularly MFF in many ways still is, but particularly the beginning was my attempt to write a love letter for maybe the slightly insecure character actor that I was doing a show with in the dressing room and we would say horrible, subversive shit to each other. And we were just buddies and laughing around and always cracking up. And I could sense there was just a little bit of sadness in the back of this gentleman's heart about like not feeling happy with his fitness, fear about his health, with his body and my desire to make the type of space that that kind of person would be like, oh yeah, this is great. Now, interestingly enough, at this point, I, I'm curious. I'm not actually sure if we were to do a, a census of the current ninja community, what percentage are actually performers. Certainly many of them still are very involved in the Broadway community. I am married to a woman who is a Broadway performer. So I'm still very much a part of that world. And I still have many friends in that world. But it's interesting because although that had been the base, you are not wrong in that the vast majority of our population, we have a vanishingly small number of straight men so to this day, it is mostly middle-aged women and gay men. Chatty and boy, Chad. Chatty boy, Chad. And, you know, at, at the risk of being too precious about this, I do think a lot of it came out of my desire to take care of a type of person that took care of me when I was a younger man and struggling with confidence and struggling with believing in myself that consistently kept me like, your hair is great. And not just, not just physical stuff, but truly... Uh, I had many wonderful gay men in my life and women that gave me a confidence that I didn't have being like, because also if you're a straight guy doing musical theater, you're weird. That's, it's, that's where my you're weird. mind went. I was like, this guy grew up in a world in which his, some of his best friends had to have come from the gay community. And oh, become yeah. a, One of my best <clears throat> friends here in Charlotte, North Carolina, he's like, anytime I need anything built, he's my go-to. He builds it. He's like my dude. We've known each other for, we go watch yeah, Ohio State yeah. football games together. That's my bro. And it's so interesting to see how your interaction when you're the minority in a community, right? Like you were obviously the minority, a straight sure. man in the theater community there, how that can influence 
you're exactly, you see this in scenarios where a, uh, a white judge on the east side of Chicago starts a running program for inmates or like mm-hmm. recently convicted felon because that's who he's around and they've changed his life. He changes their life. It's a very interesting paradigm and yeah. relationship there. As you were building out your team, because that sounds, you're, and you have a business partner in this, correct? correct? Correct. At this point, what was that individual's name? His name is Michael Keeler. Michael Keeler. Yes, he's my non-sexual life partner. So he's my business partner in both businesses. <laughs> and he pretty much came and he goes, Mark, listen, you've got uh, you got a killer thing here, but if we pour the right kind of business acumen on it, you've got a legit fucking thing here. You decide to listen to him. What was one of the first things he he helped you install to take your business from, you know, the where it was to where it is now? Well, he really, particularly in the beginning, it's interesting that I've essentially always owned product and marketing. We've traded sales back and forth. And then he, in the beginning, certainly owned operations and finance. Now, since then, he's pretty much out of MFF. So he largely does fulfillment on Business for Unicorns. I do high-level marketing for Business for Unicorns. And then I oversee those functions in Mark Fisher Fitness, which even depleted post-COVID is still a large organization compared to most training gyms. So in the beginning, however, because I had not, I'd only started reading about my obsessive, like two business books per week, like obsession, there was a lot I didn't know. And to his, I basically was just Looney Tunes. And I remember he came in to watch classes. And of course, this is so hilarious too now because his background was in the arts nonprofit. I, to this day, still consider myself first and foremost an artist, even though I love business and I love my numbers. So of course, if you're going to start a gym, we were like, well, I guess we have to have a meeting and get clear on what are our values? What is our, what is our mission? Right? So we did this and he prepared like a PowerPoint, which particularly that time I was like a PowerPoint was business stuff, you know, acting guy over here. And he was the person was like, we're going to call them ninjas. And he, all these quotes up on the wall. And I was like, whoa, that quote's really cool. Well, where'd you get that? And he's like, you said it, you dumbass. So he literally came in and watched me teach classes where I'm speaking in tongues Maybe saying a million things. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like writing down and slowly codifying. And I like to think at this point, we've really come to collaborate that of late. But in the beginning, he did such a good job of essentially distilling my eccentricities and working with me and then the team to decide things even as granular as this particular bit, this particular joke, is that a Mark joke? Or are we now all going to say that? semi-offensive thing for a metaphor for whatever, right? Because I had a lot of bits and jokes that kind of came and went, but over time we codified even the way we looked at movement, right? So instead of calling anterior ribcage flare, which is not as memorable, we refer to ribcage boner, right? And we developed an entire verbiage around human movement that was designed because we were students of educational pedagogy. And we know when you're looking for learning, in addition to things like allowing memory decay and long-term memory encoding, you want it to be sticky. So often it was like, what is the strangest way I can say this? Yeah, a lot of it didn't work too, but, but I give Keeler a lot of credit because in the beginning, he was really the person that did a lot of that stuff where I was, particularly in the beginning, mostly speaking in tongues. It's, well, that's the establishment of the, there's seven elements of every successful brand, one of them being lexicon, creating your own set of sacred words for customers to sure. live and die by. And that's when you hear of all great brands doing that. They all have their own set of lexicon and words that you could bump into a complete stranger, but if they do MFF, 
the digital product in two mm-hmm. different cities, whatever, but mm-hmm. they meet together, they will have a lexicon and a lingo that is not only becomes ritualistic, but iconic and just mm-hmm. matches all these things that any great brand needs to, to create that, that vibe, that feeling inside of the customer. And when you were talking about you bouncing around and just spitting out these markisms, that's where like all the gym owners, same thing. Like, I'm not good at branding. Like you're better than you think you are you're bad at it when you think like if you would have sat down like okay what are some cool names to, for me to call these things it it never probably would have happened it's yeah. that spontaneous on the moment type so i used totally. to say this so when i would want someone to clench their butt cheeks i used to say all right guys engage your glutes and then i realized engage and glutes just suck so i would and i would say okay tighten the prison wallet prison wallets sure. locked up right and like sure. all the guys you know as a strength and conditioning coach for men's wrestling team they'd laugh they'd be like ah ha ha okay yeah. whatever like but that stuck like at 21 years old at a college strength and conditioning setting that worked really well with mm-hmm. collegiate wrestlers. Um, but you come up with this lexicon and it's transcended your brand so well. I mean, that's, that's what the best t-shirts are made out of and merch sure. and like, you know, <laughs> sure. you know, where do you see, uh, as it continues now, obviously you're still involved with the business. Do you have like someone underneath you now that you're like, holy shit, they're just a branding. Like they get the brand so much that a lot of our new age stuff comes from their mouth, their mind. I, I don't know. I think actually the only thing I've held onto is the brand voice. So I have essentially by default and at this point, very much intentionally by design. The one thing I've really held onto is the dancing monkey because I have found that there is value in being having a personal brand leveraged through business. I usually discourage people away from this because it's very hard to pull off to get to the other side of it. But now that we're on the other side of it, we get the benefit of there is a very clear like brand voice, like a person that is the dancing monkey, but no one ever expects to train with me. And to some extent, we did that one because we didn't know any better. So we didn't think about it. And two, New York City even has precedent for David Barton gyms. We were not the first drag queen loving gym named after a person. So we didn't even think too deeply about it. And of course, now the business has been around for a while. There are some downsides, right? If we ever want to sell, it's going to expedite key man risk. But frankly, it's, you're going to have key man risk anyway. And it's frankly hard to, to sell a training gym in the best of scenarios. Yeah. So we are able to have our cake and eat it too in that if you look at the email content, which to this day still drives like so much for us. And frankly, I had gotten away from and frankly had hurt the business. And then since COVID happened, since I'm back and writing an email a week, it's like, you know, we sell five to 15 intro submissions every week. And I think that's because they're getting a strong brand voice, but because in the beginning to my credit, it didn't matter how much money you threw at me. I stopped training very early. No one is thinking they should be training with me. Now, virtually everything else somebody does at this point, but the overall marketing strategy and the brand stuff is still what I run with. And the other thing I would note that has been helpful for us that has worked out quite well is to be very like big picture. It's kind of like a dumb way of thinking about it, but I think it's like, you got the pictures and you got the words. I'm great at words. And my best friend was great at pictures and he understood design and that worked together, particularly in the beginning, made us look like a much bigger and more sophisticated organization than we were. Since then, we've had other people take over from him. So we work with people and we're very clear on brand standards, everything from fonts to colors, to images And I still own the vast majority of the words, the landing page copy, the email copy, any important internal communications. 
I strangely don't touch social media. So we have somebody that runs that for us, but even that is very much in the world of MFF. And we've been very intentional. I've been very intentional that I also, for me, don't like to do ghostwriting. So if it says it's by me, it's by me. And uh, you say what you want about me, but it's a pretty clear voice. Whereas the voice of MFF on Instagram, or if it happens to be a non-me, now we're speaking the royal we, and that is broadly the royal we, Hamson, the magical drag queen unicorn, which is a slightly different version of MFF, which is distinct from Mark Fisher, the human that runs this strange clubhouse place. Which it's a, it's interesting to hear you talk about that is because that's so many of the micro gym industry, they get... I am the owner, I am the trainer, I am the brand, I am the marketing, and it's centered around them. And there's always something you're going to keep. Like you mentioned the, the key man syndrome, like for everyone listening that's not familiar with that, if someone were to come in and buy any micro gym out there right now, the biggest issue they have and the, their insecurity is, right. well, when the king's gone, the mayor, the right. guy who created this thing is gone, does the whole thing implode? And that's typically what we would see happen. And sure. it's you know, key man insurance and all that kind of stuff. You mentioned something in there your weekly love letters, marketing. I've seen that oh, skyrocket. Yeah. If you're if you're a fan of like eat weekly newsletters, like The Hustle does a great mm-hmm. one. Paul Jarvis forever wrote a great weekly newsletter. New, weekly newsletter marketing has made a resurgence back. I mean, email marketing was just kind of like, uh, like telemarketers, like yeah. whatever, but done really well with no flair other than good copy and good actual branded thoughts. Tell me, like, give me an example. What is, what's a topic you've sent a weekly newsletter on? Oh gosh, let's see. Uh, they really vary. I think, for instance, the one that's coming on Monday is is like a uh, like how um, how hard should I be working out? Or are they always fitness related? Are they sometimes kind of just quirky, top of the mind kind of stuff? Sometimes they're quirky, top of mind. If they're going to be there, then it's going to be a little bit more nurturing. Like I wrote, I wrote one in December that was twenty things that are actually okay. And it was a list of things and it was like, it's okay to fuck up on your diet and eat too much food. It's okay to want to lose fat. It's okay to love your body just the way it is and focus on fitness to take care of yourself. It's okay to set boundaries and end a friendship. And it was that sort of like kind of, kind of feel goody personal development, but it was also like very bizarre. Of course, it was like, it's okay to like the river bottom nightmare band. Right. And then it's real clock to this very obscure, like HBO. So there's a lot of like very obscure, bizarre eighties pop culture kind of stuff. And that has been most of it. And of course, like any good email marketing, best practice, there's of course, always at least a soft sell. If there's not the super signature in the PS, there will be like a hyperlinked moment. Like, and it, if you're looking for someone to do the such and such a thing, might I remind you, may I suggest for $49. So, you know, and that's another thing too that I think has benefited us is because frankly, it's authentic to who I am. I think this might be harder if I was somebody else. I'm, I don't mind selling hard and selling cheesy because the whole time I'm like, like, I don't mind being like, and that's not all. Um, Even our, we have an amazing, we have two full-time salespeople and they're so hilarious and Kyle who's on our team he because we he gives the offer at the end of the, the strategy session he calls them coupons he's like I'm a Dutch gay boy and I got coupons girl coupons <laughs> and it's self-destructing so if you don't want to hear it right now if you're not ready but you're only going to get it once it's going to blow up um, so that's I think been part of our approach to also sell directly and semi-aggressively is we're not taking ourselves seriously. And it's also not really a hard sell. We're always respectful. It's your autonomy. You don't need to do it, but if you want it, you should do this. So that has been 
like huge for us. It's been really, really, really big for us. So something I've only recently true in this past year, since I've been back in it, seeing the results have started to get very rigorous about click-through rates, about tracking what is the size of our list, where are open rates. And it has been bigger for us, even than digital leads. And we get a fair amount of digital leads. I'm happy with our digital lead flow, but for obvious reasons, if someone comes through an email list, it's a much more qualified lead than somebody clicking on a lead ad in Facebook. Do you guys do your digital marketing in-house or that's something you outsource? We outsource it. Loud Rumor we work with. Who we love. Yeah, Mike RC. Yeah, he's great. I love Mike's, Loud Rumor. Mike's awesome. So we use them and they're great. And I still, you know, what, what I like about them is I still can contribute a lot on brand and copy and strategy. And they can do things that in-house would be cost prohibitive us to do, which is test ways against Google Display. Or for instance, right now they're testing, we're testing out TikTok which I was like, I want to get there first if we're going to do it. TikTok, my understanding, I'm not an expert on this, is doesn't have sufficient geo-targeting right now. So it's not a great fit for most micro gyms. But since for the time being, while the world is on fire, our core product is an online product. I'm happy to target the state of New York. And if we get those leads low enough and we figure this out, I want to as fast as I can because it's only a matter of time before everyone runs over there. So, oh yeah, and, and let's talk about that. You are in, uh, you're in one of the hardest markets. Anytime, if I pre-COVID uh, wanted to, I was lacking inspiration in my own <clears throat> marketing or my mm-hmm. own brand development. I would go to New York City, and I'd just walk around and I'd look and use my eyeballs and and feel and sense all the different flavors of that city and the different companies within it. Talk to me about this. Um, Mark Fisherfin is pre-COVID. Talk to me about some of the business metrics. How many customers are you servicing mm-hmm. in person? In pre-COVID world, it varied. It was like around 800, 850. Okay. And we had two locations. How the big are each location? They were each about 5,000 square feet. But okay. the second location, we had never solved the marketing sales funnel. And something that might be useful for me to address is as good as we were as on brand, as I have alluded to, it allowed us to seed in spite of literally not understanding offers, sales, or anything until about a year ago. So in the old world, I say about 800-ish between the two clubhouses, and that would include people coming in for the Snatch program. So it might vary between 700 to 900 souls all in. And that was what it was in the old world, yeah. And for everyone listening, your Snatch program would be the equivalent of like a six-week challenge. It's a front-end offer. It's an introductory, come on in, let me get you. And hopefully you bite Mm -hmm. into our vibe. You like what it is we do and you you buy a membership afterwards. Correct. And it is not a, uh, the Hormozy free offer. It is a traditional premium priced high-end offer. So it's like a premium price front-end offer, essentially. Sure. And what is the current, what is the average membership at the clubhouse cost? In the old world, it was about 275 average revenue per ninja per month. And in the current world, I'm actually not sure because we haven't been running that of late because we are running them kind of separately. We have a very modest in-person, which is like wildly restricted right now. So it's kind of a miracle when things going on there. And then for our online virtual classes, it's pro- a little over $200 per month on average. And are you, what are you using to facilitate online classes currently? You guys going Zoom? Do you have a digital product? We are using Zoom through a plugin for MindBodyOnline called FitGrid, yep, which allows us essentially it. to automate the whole process. And FitGrid is a really cool product. Uh, tech platforms, as we know, the somewhat trite thing you do is a 
training gym owners bitch about all the tech products because you don't do techs. You don't understand. It's actually so hard to do. And that's why everyone's like, this sucks. I can make a better thing. No, you couldn't. No, you cannot. (laughs) No, you you would be doing it or somebody would. Everybody's trying. And I will say this, what I really appreciate about FitGrid, and this is an unsolicited plug for them, not only we got it to have an automated plugin between MindBodyOnline and Zoom, and it has worked for that. But one of the dumbest, simplest things that's been so great is them, they have a very helpful automated feedback flow that's very simple, gets very high compliance, the tons of responses on it. And that has been incredibly helpful because in the old world, we would download our entire member base every week, splice one thirteenth of it, and then send them a form stack email and then aggregate it in a Google spreadsheet. Oh boy, it was fine, but holy cow, there's a lot of work. Whereas we don't need to necessarily go in the granular of how Figure does it, but you get a lot of the right amount of data and not too much. And it's just on your dashboard. I love it. Yeah. I've been a almost 10 year mind body client. We recently just switched, but FitGrid was a product. Um, I never had others, but the thing I, if I was going to switch to it, they're microeconomics. They give you great per class revenue, per class mm-hmm. cost. PL is just incredible microeconomics, which I'm all about. Now, okay. Now let's look at our, our COVID world. What happened to membership for you in COVID? Yeah. Oh boy. COVID world was rough. So <clears throat> for many people listening, what I had I think the smart play that a lot of micro gym owners did, which we couldn't do is keep your members going, keep them on their membership, give them another thing, try to keep them from freezing, just change the way you're offering it and like give them the ask. And, you know, I hear anecdotal, I don't know, I hear, and certainly some of the business girls are like, you know, 90% of our members stayed, people had 90% retention. I don't know, maybe that's true. For us, it felt weird because our, first of all, our average revenue is very high, number one. Second of all, some of those contracts were very, very high. So I'm not going to be like, hey, I, I know you're paying us $900 per month, but Zoom workouts, particularly in the beginning because the product wasn't that sophisticated. So what we did, which now in retrospect, I'm thrilled, was we were like, all right, this is going to suck. Let's just proactively freeze everybody and then we'll sell this new product. I don't know, we'll make it up. And I think at the beginning, we we're like uh, $79 for two weeks. And we just sold it through Infusionsoft. And then we just delivered it through a Facebook group. Very, very unsophisticated. And I think when, when that happened, so we dropped from however X many down to, I don't know, probably a couple hundred in the beginning. That slowly grew up to around 350-ish. And we were stuck there for a while. We got a step closer to normal that we started integrating with Mind Body Online. We played with the price points a little bit. 79 was undercutting it and it was unlimited for 79. And as many of you know, unlimited is often unfortunately interpreted as unlimited late cancels. So that wasn't working for us. So we changed it to 12 classes every 14 days. And that was great because now our average revenue, of course, the you know 99 times 2.15, we're looking at a little over $200. We kept the 79 rate as a COVID compromise rate. And we also offered a supporter rate of 129. If you want to help subsidize the compromise people and you want to just give us more money, we will take it. And, and we will, that will allow us to continue to offer cheaper for the people that need help during this challenging time. And you guys had a good amount of people take up and take you up on that? Uh, it wasn't massive, but it was, I don't know, it was like maybe 5%. So still something. It's still, you know, incre- like, it's still impressive. Yeah. And, and to be fair, it was uh, supporter rate slash suggested household rate because I'm not about the life of monitoring who's sharing the grid. So officially, it's like you can have 15 people on the grid if you all live in there. And if you want to help us out and you know you and your roommate are both doing it, just do us a solid. You could do 129 if you got it. But listen, if you don't, 
Don't worry about it. You can do 79, do whatever you need to do. The world is on fire. And that agreement as of this recording is currently canceled at any time. That's probably going to change because what started as an escape pod is actually now a fully fleshed out intergalactic city that we've been building in real time, putting these different wings on the building. And it had stayed around 350 for a while. And for context, for those who don't know, in New York, we were closed for six months. It was closed from mid-March or maybe it was five months, mid-March until mid-September when we were finally able to open up again. And several months into it, we got the PPP. We were able to hire everybody back. And then we kind of let a lot of people go again. And then at a certain point, it was clear that this is not ending. And we just decided, all right, I guess we're going to go all in and be the best online virtual gym ever. And the economics of it are favorable because number one, we were now doing 35 people per class instead of 15 or 10. Number two, we no longer had the constraints of physical space. So we didn't, we weren't limited to have two classrooms. We can in theory have 10 classes going at 7.30 if I have sufficient staffing. So suddenly it was clear that this was helpful. And also one thing that I'm a zealot for these days is the weekly or biweekly billing, which I knew about for years, I think is so powerful for consumer psychology. It's so powerful when you need to weight increase and look so small. It's so powerful to improve your cash flow. The only real downside is you can have to do a little bit more hustling to find humans if and when credit cards go awry, which is why we decided to build bi-weekly. I think if it was a smaller micro gym model and you're going to do 150, maybe do weekly. The transaction fees aren't that much. For our situation where we're planning to get up to 2,000 or more, I decided, all right, bi-weekly is probably going to be the way I'm going to slice that up. Though I think even from a sales perspective, we are likely to start talking about as like for semi-privates, for instance, once we make that change, which we have not yet, it will be, you know, whatever, you know, two semi-privates per week for 139 per week, build bi-weekly. Yeah. And that's how we'll talk about it. So we get both the consumer psychology and the cash flow. Yeah. And the thing that's interesting with that, I mean, obviously you're going to have to attach some type of cancellation period notice requirement on that. I mean, so that that's the hard thing is the second you go digital, you're now in line with, you know, people think of you Netflix, like, what do you mean I can't just cancel immediately? Right? So like, but it's, it's what I call rate of replacement. When I would do consulting for Globo gyms, I'd have $10,000 of marketing per month that I had in my budget and I have six salespeople, my rate of replacement for any personal training client or whatever, two days tops, right. you cancel, fuck it. We're, can't, we're replacing you within 48 hours. <laughs> a micro gym, that's not the case, especially in COVID. Your rate of replacement, in my opinion, needs to give yourself a 30-day window to replace. Yeah. And then you look at that last month's dues. So if someone cancels, let's say they're going to get drafted on the 15th, they cancel on the 13th. Mm-hmm. Well, they still get billed on the 15th, but now you know right. you're sitting on a 30 day clock. And I always coach yeah. people, I'm like, take a percentage of their money, whatever they gave you last month's dues, take 20% of that, 30% of that, mm-hmm. throw that into your advertising efforts to a, so that people who cancel finance new yeah. client acquisition. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible to see you guys, the tier one cities, you know, fight through this COVID thing. And then, you know, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm not going to lie. It's, um, we were one of those gyms. I remember, and, you know, you talked about the membership bases that saw 97. I mean, we maintain 97%. But if you're sitting at 250 or less clients and you can give out your equipment and people can go right. home with it, that, that's a cakewalk. Cakewalk. Yeah. When you're dealing with 800, like CrossFit NYC, uh, you know, 3,000 yeah. fucking clients, whatever they have. Yeah. There is none of that. There is no hand. There's not enough dumbbells to hand right. people to go home right. with. I'm, I'm really curious as you look at it now, you've got the two locations. Have you thought about, well, if we crushed, well, shut down one, 
and online and then location one have you guys played with that what's the future oh, yeah. of mff look well, like we we pulled the second location the like the second week the second week okay. i was like this is going to be two years we're just going to okay. kill us it's sad we were finally getting traction but i don't know it was really the best neighborhood for us anyway and it was one of those situations where it was pr- profitable or hurting our margins so i was like let's just we'll kill it um that landlord through no fault of their own, was not as cool and able to play ball the way our Hell's Kitchen landlord was. So we killed that right away, pulled a good guy guarantee, got out of that lease. And now that we have the one in person, it's much more manageable because I don't know what happens in the next six to 18 months. Like all of us, and I could guess like every pundit and I would be wrong. And then of course, in 18 months, whichever one of us that thinks and talks about this a lot, whichever of us happened to be right, will suddenly be like, well, I, was, I saw this coming. It's like, none of us knew what's happening. Um, it was like financial markets, right? With the mutual funds where every year you just get rid of the mutual fund that's not working. So I don't even have a vote for it. I have no idea what's going to happen, but my play is keeping optionality. So we have the in-person space. My landlord has reduced our rent. It's not making anyone rich right now, but it's still there. And I have the option. If the online world craters and we discover it was 80%, bubble and 20% boom, because it's definitely some boom. And there's all this pent up demand for in-person experience. Great. I've got a space. I can leverage it. I know how to use it. I think, unfortunately, as I've learned and just had a lot of time to think about stuff since the world was on fire, there are some things about that model as far as the pricing, the length of classes, how many people are in there that I'm going to have to revisit. But suffice it to say, that is an option. And if online is like, or in-person is super slow to come back up or is just like a haul and online stuff keeps going, 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 we'll see. I don't know that it's going to be 80% boom and 20% bubble, at least not for me. I think the industry at large might be a little bit different. If you have a Peloton model, I don't, I think that's stickier. I'm, I'm not willing to bet my house right now that what we're doing, 35 people in a Zoom class paying 215 per month is something that's going to happen forever, forever. But since July, we've been growing at least a net 10 members every week. Like so just week after week after week. There's a micro gym owner driving, listening to this. They heard you say Zoom classes for, and you're getting over $200 a month and they just shit their pants because they're charging $32. But I want to remind the re- those of you that did that while you're cleaning yourself up, where else would someone go to get your product? That's the thing. When you're pistachio fucking ice cream, Vanilla won't cut it. Like you guys are so niched in. The nice thing about it is nobody, it's, it would take someone with incredible chops to penetrate that marketplace really efficiently. You are one of the few places, if not the only place to go for that. And because you've been leading the charge with a niche mindset, there's never been, well, we were for everybody. And then we went, you know, thespians. And then we're right. like, no, we need right. everybody else because numbers are bad this month. Yeah. And then we went, you guys are just, you've got a reputation. Consi- that's what a cool brand is. They're authentic and they're consistent. That's yeah. it. That's the definition yeah. of it. Now, Zoom. Yeah. Zoom is a shit vehicle sure. for fitness, yeah. right? Yeah. What is it? Like we, we, we skipped from the zoom, you know, I went right into digital app you know, on-demand workouts. Mm-hmm. And we put a lot of effort into that because I, I knew my mark, I couldn't make the zoom thing work. And we were fortunate. We had the tech, the video content creation suite, all that ready to go. What do you look at as a future? I mean, there's no way you gotta be, th- you gotta be thinking either someone's coming up with something better soon yeah, or because I, I just can't see Zoom being the long-term solution at that price point for longevity yeah. in an online model. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, the thing that Zoom has that the other options don't yet 
is I can have people do the same thing at the same time and see each other and talk to each other. Yes. And that's why I get 215 per month. And that's why the, all the other models, all the other on-demand things are so much lower price point. In theory, and I understand in theory, right? But yeah, but the others are more convenient. And, and that's true. They are. But for us, that is the thing that is the gold is starting every class controversially, very controversially, that every class starts with a seven to sometimes 15 minute long name game where people are having vigorous debates about the relative merits of Triscuits. And is that like hilarity? And of course, as you might imagine, many of our name game questions are rather subversive. So we're having hilarity and just good conversation. And then of course, throughout class, people are running in the chat box, making, doing callback jokes to what's going on. And the instructor's thinking of some funny thing they make up on a break to have people do referencing the name game. And that knitting together of the community, which is one of a number of things I think we've done well to deepen and enrich our community is part of the stickiness, right? And don't get me wrong, the classes are great, but as we know, nobody cares. Like they don't care at all. I could, you know, just, just, we can just do burpees for an hour. And if they're having fun, they're okay with it. Now it happens to be, I have some very smart coaches that are doing with the constraints and we know it's not a perfect world to only do body weight with maybe a kettlebell, but the convenience factor is very, very, very hard to beat. So as far as platforms, if something can come up that can replicate that, I think we would consider it. My dream would be FitGrid would <laughs> do it for us and knit in because I'm not a tech guy. That's not, that's not my sandbox to play in. But for now, it's just working really well. And you know, like everybody else, we'll keep our eyes. Hopefully something will come in and disrupt. But it has been amazing how well it has worked because I wouldn't recommend most people do that. And if I can speak to the gentleman who has shat his pants, with all due respect to gentlemen, you, you couldn't do it. Like you said, like you wouldn't have been able to do this. Like I, I don't, I wouldn't have told you that we could have done it. I am in shock at what has occurred and how it has happened. And I think there's a number of factors. I think, frankly, this is interesting. I think New York had it easier, relatively speaking. And I want to choose my words carefully because I don't want to make it sound like we got so lucky. It was six weeks of ambulances, right? That it was a terrible, truly traumatizing time. And I'm not belittling that. And in our market, everybody really went online. I know a lot of markets where it wasn't that bad. People, some people are like, no, nah, I'm not going to wear a mask. This is bullshit, right? You have some people want to be in person. Some people don't want to be in person. Whereas in New York, nobody wanted to be in person. And it's coming back now slowly. But I think that shared emotional damage forced everybody really to accept, even if they didn't want to, I'm going to do these dumb Zoom classes if I don't want. Whereas in other markets that opened up a little bit sooner, where there, there is a little bit more availability, it's a little bit less scary to be in person. I think it's actually a lot harder. So that's, strange, I think it's a little bit easier in our market. That's such a good point. Because you're right. There are cities. I'm going to use Charlotte and North Carolina as one, Cleveland, Ohio. Um, these cities that were split in three different ones. Absolutely not, not going in person. Um, yeah, I don't mind as long as I can be kind of far away from people and I can mm -hmm. or cannot wear the mask. And then fuck it, you know. I'm absolutely I'm, you, know, you can't tell yeah, me yeah. Yeah, the anti-mask. <laughs> can't tell me what to do. Can't yeah, tell me what to do. Exactly. That guy. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, when everyone kind of moves in what, the city is all in one direction, it makes it a lot easier to make online fitness the only thing other than working out at home yeah. by yourself without direction or community. One thing that also you guys have at your disposal and I talk about this and you're in, you mentioned it earlier, you might get pegged as the awesome branding guy, right? And I get, might get pegged as the business foul mouth guy. I'm a nerd for strength and conditioning. I'm an mm -hmm. absolute nerd. I'm looking at the, all these books you have behind you. And, I, and I'm, I'm pretty sure there's plenty of exercise fizz and strength and conditioning yeah. works uh, amongst yeah. there. Um, 
do you, would you agree with me in this statement? Uh, I believe that the best thing for what we do, which is group fitness, GPP, general physical preparation, entertainment outweighs the education of a coach. I need well-educated coaches, but having the best educated coach in a class of 25 is like having a sous chef or an iron chef working at Chipotle. doesn't fucking work. Absolutely. And it doesn't, and they're going to get bored. They're going to get annoyed. They're going to be doing, you know, very obscure esoteric breathing drills and arcana. They're going to be doing like Z health, like pulling your toe. Like, and again, listen, I'm a nerd. I will absolutely get down with that stuff. I I'm passionate. I'm interested in it, but particularly when you run a business, definitionally you start to, it doesn't matter what I want or what I think. It just matters like, what can you do? And particularly my people, my people just want to go to a place and just want to finally start moving consistently. They want to just like not be afraid of going to the doctor. They want to not be afraid of being judged. So that is the only thing I care about. Now they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. And in our semi-private model, we get into a little bit more of that nerdery, but as somebody that comes from a semi-serious strength conditioning background, I'm not kidding myself with my 35 people on a Zoom class. You know, I don't, I don't think that Mike Boyle's like, yes, Mark, you did it. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Mike Boyle's a buddy and he gets it and he understands it. And he'll be like, all right, I, I get it. You're making it work. And, you know, the longer I've been in the game, the less precious I get about that stuff, the more I'm like, don't hurt them, have fun. I admit I get hackles if I think you might be hurting somebody. If you have not learned enough about human physiology, that you are doing things that I believe are likely going to be injurious. There's a certain line where I have, where I will get like a little bristly, but for the most part, the longer I've been in the game, I've sort of passed my angry young man phase where nothing was like good enough for me. And it's like, I don't, I don't do group training. It's putting lipstick on a pig. I do the FMS. <laughs> I do the FMS. And again, I, I love a lot of those modalities. And, and to be clear, I'm, I'm making fun of judging myself. It's not anybody else. I now see that was not the, the most client-centered approach. In fact, after all, I thought it was. Um, so yeah. And, and again, you know, one of our differentiators is internally we refer to it's ridiculous human, serious fitness. And we don't say it out loud to the world because a little bit precious, but we mean it infinite heart. Like when we great at the fitness, we want to be cuckoo choo And we want to be like a container space to hold you while you deal with the anxieties of modernity that yes, you will die. And yes, nobody knows what they're doing but I'll hold your hand. We'll, we'll sit with that together and be present together while that happens. And the serious fitness piece is a piece of it. Now it is different in the, in the online space, but I know that that's part of what makes it sticky. I know that's part of what our type of client does enjoy, but it's not what they come there for. And it's certainly not the only reason they stay. And as we know, I know it tells you like many coaches, like don't, don't get that part. They think, but because the training is the best. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The coaching community and programming is, is not, not what's keeping your business afloat. Um, and the other advantage you have is because you settled into this niche, coincidentally, this niche that has wildly entertaining individuals, like coaches yeah. that are, so I, I get all the time, like, Hey, Stu, I need to hire a coach. And I'm like, okay, I want you to do like, what, uh, should they be CSCS certified? Should they have a CrossFit level seven? Which I'm like, no, 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 actually go to the bar or the barista, or you need to go yeah. somewhere where yeah. they don't know anything. They're up, you know, that'd be funny, but a unicorn like fresh out the box yeah. and yeah. you can fucking install your own fucking hard drive into them. And they're a people person. They're funny. They're witty. They're charismatic. They are magnetic. And that my friends is what makes a great coach. Not all the knowledge in the world. I've got friends that are smart as fuck. I wouldn't be in a car with them for an hour. It, I would I would open up and tuck and roll because they're just they're not entertaining enough to hold my attention for a one hour car ride, let alone a one hour yeah. workout. I probably don't want to be at anyway. Fitness for a lot of people, 
is like hygiene. There's yeah. every day, like yeah. you have amazing hair. Like there are days where you're just like, man, I just, I just don't want to fucking take a shot. I'm just tired. I want to go to bed. But if I don't, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to smell like shit and this hair is going to get yeah. nappy as fuck. So like fitness can become like hygiene for people. Like I don't necessarily want to go. I know I need to. I know yeah. I'm nicer to my husband or wife when I go home, yeah. but it also really helps that fucking Jojo, the coach is hilarious. Yeah. And he cracks me a hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's, I think anyone that is a student of behavior change, right? We talk about these six stages of motivation. And when I do the snatch foreplay workshop for the new ninjas, when I'm bringing them in, I acknowledge that many of you might not get to true intrinsic motivation. I myself do not get particularly, and I like this, I chose this as a career, but I am intellectually interested in this. I do like to suns out, guns out, get my pump, but most of what I do is not intrinsically interesting of itself. I prefer naps. I like cocktails. I like books. Those are the things that stimulate me, but I do it because over the years I have, I haven't gotten intrinsic motivation, but I certainly identify values. And of course I did the ultimate trick, which I highly recommend name a gym after yourself. You will feel incongruent if you're not working out anymore at that point. There are many gym owners that don't train, but I would feel a little bit hypocritical to be Mark Fisher fitness. And I have nothing, if not a zeal towards consistency. I always think about like, What's Barry doing these days, right? Like, like all you guys that have the gym named after <laughs> yourself. Like, is there ever a day where Barry's like, I kind of just want to go on like a coke bender for four months and just get lost in Tijuana and just party and then come back with a mustache and a tattoo on my face? But fuck, I'm Barry and it's Barry's yeah. boot camp. No, I cannot do that. <laughs> I mean, well, depending on how he trained and what he did, you know, possibly that could it could, could work into the protocol, burning, man. You know, like live your life, but. <laughs> But it is, it, it, it's interesting. I just wrote an email about this to our business unicorns list really last week of the pros and cons of brand. You got to send me, I want to get on this email list. I need oh, yeah, to get yeah. this from you. I will, I will make a note here in my trusty notebook to follow up, but it's, I, I, I'm very proud. I think I, in fact, I know for sure you will be uniquely situated to appreciate both the slightly askew worldview as well as the topics, but you're right with the, the personal branding thing. It is, it is tough. And cause I've even considered recently, like, do I need to change this? And I think I might at some point, but I'm also not looking for. So my personal community in New York city is like all entrepreneurs. And a lot of them have, I'm definitely like a smaller size business compared to most of my personal friends. I'm not looking for a big financial event. I'm not looking for an exit. This is a great cash flow business. And I have other, my fingers and other pies. So I think I'm probably okay with keeping it as it is. And hilariously, I, I brought it up to Michael. So Michael's been my best friend since we were kids and we disagree on absolutely everything, but it's never contentious. We just never agree with each other. And I remember I'm bringing it up to him and I was like, Michael, hey, I'm just thinking like, I really think it's time we were brands. Time's like, and he's like, and he just, he has such a good way of being like, okay, we'll talk about this later. Like his nice way of being like, you're wrong. I yeah. sense your emotions. <laughs> just, That's a bad way to make decisions. Yeah, I'm going to talk about this later. Um, though, actually, I do need to circle back to him because I'm not sure why he thinks that's wrong because I was like, yeah, we should rename it. It's not really about me anyway. It's about the team. Let's rename it. I don't want yeah, I think it's at me. so from an outsider and someone who's looked at your business yeah, from, from a business mindset, um, it, tr it transcends. It, it trans it, like to you, it's so personal because it's your name. Yeah. But to a customer, it's not like and there's customers that have never, I mean, are there customers that have never actually met you? Oh, most of them have never. Actually so met then you. It, there is no tie to it. It's like, yeah. I wear Calvin Klein. I'm not tied. Like, I don't give a fuck with Calvin yeah. Klein. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's not, there's yeah. no tie to that. That's true. That's true. I guess we kind of are. And again, you know, in New York, there is precedent for that, right? There are precedent for gyms named after people. And frankly, most people call it MFF. We yeah. usually use the acronym, though hilariously, many people have a, a, what I find a hilarious quirk of calling it just Mark Fisher. 
I trained, I trained at Mark Fisher. Since <laughs> I've been coming to Mark Fisher, where like when the team calls, like, hi, this is from Mark Fisher. Like, what are we, a law firm? I'm Jenny a Craig, people say, what do you yeah. do eat? I'm like, I eat Jenny Craig. Like, you yeah. eat Jenny Craig? Like, what the fuck <laughs> you mean? I'm you a eat person over here, <laughs> but I don't mind. Yeah, no, I think it. I think it's absolutely genius. I um, I've created my list of uh, because uh, in New York you do you have the unique niches. Um, ones I didn't even get to add to on that video. Con body, which I think is a great. Yeah, niche. yeah. Koss is a great smart guy too. He's I, a little I, sharp. I think those guy. guys are incredibly, incredibly genius in, in their mm-hmm. endeavor. That because when I'm like, what group of underprivileged human beings that are trying to get their life back together that create a tribal community. Ex cons, so, so and then all those that just think it's cool because the Real Housewives of New York went there kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Like you get the best of both worlds. I'm I'm very excited. I I've heard very few people talk as um, with uh, uplifting tones about the online thing as I have with you, and I'm I'm very excited for that for your business. I'm glad that's going well. I'm glad you guys have seen growth there, and you've been able to command a price point that's still New York esque, um, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I feel thrilled about it. Our plan is we want to get to 2,000 ninjas by 2024, right? Which would be really exciting because the other thing in full disclosure, we have been kind of been stuck around three and a half to 4 million, which I know is Looney Tunes because it's literally 10X a typical training gem. But I'm like anybody else. I want to do other things. And it was interesting because and maybe this is a good final thing to end on because this is a lovely. I've been like, everyone, everyone, I learned a thing I was doing wrong because we were so good at fulfillment and so good at brand. I didn't know how to make it rain. And it is true. If you are very good, yes, congrats to us. Most gyms don't get to 1 million. They certainly don't get to 4 million. And we got to 4 million just by being great. And we are fantastic. And the business does not have legs. And at a certain point, you run into issues. Now, I know you are a nerd, so you're probably familiar with the theory of threes and tens. I think yes, we ran into some yeah. structural issues around yep. threes because around threes are, and I took a couple swings at it, but you have to find the right person to come in for a scary comp and scary bonuses. And we didn't figure it out. And now I feel great. I've got yet another right start. At. We'll see. Because now I'm, I'm thrilled with the business because frankly, what happened for a while, and this wasn't wrong. I was like, all right, this Business is fun. It helps people. It's very lucrative. Maybe this is it. Maybe I just have a cool business. I was an actor. I never made more than like 30 grand a year until I was like 32. So maybe this is it. And I'll just go to a Europe lot and I'll go to Berlin. I'll go to Burning Man and I'll do real estate investing. And I have this other cool side hustle. It's also a great, you know, cash flow stream. And I still loved it, but I think I now see part of me was just like a little sad and being like, ah, oh, I can't figure it out, but it's okay. Because I wasn't unhappy, but I just didn't know what the thing was. And COVID was a real gift because the snow globe got shaken so hard. It also allowed me to change some of the structural mistakes I made because like anyone else, you're figuring out in real time, you're going, you're going to mess things up. Entrepreneurs, if you're listening, you're gonna mess stuff up, it's okay. And the challenge is some of those things you you almost can't change. You can change, but there are real costs to your clientele, to your team. And many of those changes now we have the opportunity to fix. And I feel in many ways, like my high school girlfriend and I, who was the love of my life, were dating other people <laughs> for several years. And now it's like, oh, we've gone and you've hurt other people and learned. I've been hurt. I've hurt other people and I've learned. And now am I getting back with my high school girlfriend? I think I am. it's beautiful i fucking love that mark listen this has been uh this has been phenomenal when the world opens back up uh new york is on my very short list to come back up to i'd love to to do this again in person yeah we'd very much love that we'd very much love that
my man. And listen, if anyone's got some questions, they would love to jam with you, learn more about MFF, uh, learn more about uh, the work you're doing with uh, studio owners, gym owners as well. Where can they reach you? Yes. I say go to businessunicorns.com. Definitely sign up for that email, both my Thursday emails, which I do every week and the podcast that we do for fitness business owners, which we should have you as a guest on, by the way. I would love to. That Michael hosts. So we have a podcast every week. Every other week, Michael and I do a bonus behind the scenes episode where you'll hear us in real time talking about what painful mistake we've learned from that week. So go to bizfunicorns.com. You can also always email me anytime at mark at bizfunicorns.com. I maintain a profile on Instagram, but I don't do social media because... I make money other ways. So, but I am there at markfisherhumanbeing.com. And I highly recommend you do this move. This is the second podcast. I'm making all my sales monkeys mad because I'm ruining their conversion percentage. If you are all interested in this, you should go to markfisherfitness.com and just do 14 days for $49 and steal all our shit. Steal the drip campaign, pay attention to our automated follow-up sequence, look at the pulse of how my salespeople get you on the phone, listen to the way they move through and how they make the offer and how they structure the sales chat go take the classes. This is if you have any interest in doing this stuff. And again, who knows what legs it has, but the reality is in the old world, you couldn't, I couldn't go join your gym in Charlotte for a month, right? You just, you couldn't really do it. You hear all these gyms like, oh, they look cool. Whereas it's a virtual world. A lot of really solid training gyms have a virtual thing, at least for a moment. Now is the time I think to go and sign up for all of them and, and learn not just their training methodologies, but look at the whole user experience because there are a lot of smart people doing cool stuff and you should steal ours. (laughs) Steal it. Mark, you are so my kind of human. This has been awesome, dude. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. it.